You're listening to Pretty Much Pop, a culture podcast mapping the culture landscape one brick at a time. Today we're discussing Lego, the toy that became an entertainment empire, and why some adults will shank you if you call it a toy. I'm Mark, and I pity the A-fall who wants to build one of his old Lego kits according to the directions when all the pieces for that kit have long pins that's combined in a giant bin with a dozen other kits. I'm Erica Spires, and if you're looking for that last piece, I'll give it to you for a fiver. And I'm Brian Hurt. And for the love of God, nobody say Legos, plural, or we're going to have the Lego police knocking down our doors. No, you can't. I don't care. It's Lego with an E at the end. Le- Lego, <laughs> but it's still pronounced Lego. Is that right? Lego? <laughs> They're trying to protect their intellectual property. And if people start calling them Legos, then it becomes lowercase Legos, and then everyone calls Is that why? Every building brick. They don't want to become like Kleenex or aspirin or other. Is that really why they started that? It is really why. Or Xerox. Yeah. Oh, so you can't so, say Xeroxes? Xerox won't let you. They had this whole ad campaign on Xerox. This is what you can do with the Xerox machine. You can copy, you can print, you can this, you can collate. What you can't do is Xerox something because it's not a verb. I'm like, dude, chill out, Xerox. So I think people have been wondering throughout the history of this podcast exactly what kind of geek is Brian? That is surely the question that will be answered today because this topic came right from your heart and other parts of you. Yein, as they say in German, because this is something I have more interest in than probably either of you, and certainly have spent more time on, but the idea for this podcast was all you, Mark. And I maybe we'll put this on our page somewhere, but Mark and Erica, if you scroll to the end of our notes page for this episode, you'll see some of my creations, also known as my own creations, or mocks, M-O-C, little s. Holy crap! We have to have the video of Erica reactions to seeing Brian's awesome creations. I was not expecting this! So what is this? The, okay, so for you guys can't see this, but we'll I think we'll probably link to it. Yeah, we'll put it on the blog page at prettymuchpop.com. Oh my god, I don't mean to cast dispersions on you, but if you don't recognize that as Baby Yoda, I don't know what to do with you. I know it's Baby Yoda. <laughs> what is the first one? That is a big mathematical model of the Mandelbrot set fractal, which is normally rendered in two dimensions using different colors showing different iterations of the calculation. I rendered it in three dimensions, with each new layer being another level of Lego. And then I added some lights to it. And then someone said, hey, that looks like the Fortress of Solitude. And so I added Superman to it. (laughs) And there's your story. I almost thought it was something from Lord of the Rings. Well, if you didn't recognize it as being the Mandelbrot equation, I have no respect (laughs) (laughs) You guys, this is a totally new level of nerddom I wasn't prepared for. Yeah, I think I'm revealing a couple levels of my geekery all at once, but that's all right. And then there is a beautiful portrait of baby Yoda. The child. The child, yes. And then this is, what is below this? A dreidel. I see a dreidel and some, some chocolate coins. Yeah, it makes a little more sense in video form where it's spinning, the spinning dreidel. That was for what was supposed to be a Christmas competition, and someone said, oh, can't we call it a holiday competition? And someone else said, oh, what is someone going to make a menorah? And that's when the Jew in the group decided that he was going to enter and win that contest with something out of the Jewish Hanukkahs, and there it was. And then a public pool that I built for our town, a collaborative build with many other people. I'm very impressed by this, Brian. 
You thought I had no skills. And no, I'm not surprised. I, I am impressed, though. It looks like the pool is segregated. Is that? <laughs> no, no, no. Just the water has different colors in different parts of it. <laughs> it's supposed to be deeper water. I see. I see. The pool is yellows only. You know, <laughs> Lego started making flesh tones rather than just yellow people. Did they? Yeah, there's a whole thing about it. it. Actually, it started with when they started doing an NBA series. It just was a little odd, I think, to have yellow basketball players representing African Americans. But then for a while, it was still like bright yellow was still the color of whites. But it was like Luke and Leia were still that color. But Lando was like the appropriate brown skin color. The whole thing was a, a muddled mess. I have heard people say that you know, the thing about the emojis that the yellow or the Simpsons, right? Simpsons is the same way. Yellow is supposed to be like, oh, it's not white, it's yellow. But it's like, then why do we have the other colors? Exactly. Yeah. It's a white person's attempt to be post-racial. Yes. <laughs> Boy, if you could always be that succinct, Mark, that was excellent. <laughs> we had a bunch of points. Brian provided many, many articles that we will link folks to. About, so the AFOLs, the adult fans of Lego, you're just a total AFOL, Brian. That's a lot like what I've been called all my life. I was kind of thinking about this from the standpoint of play. You know, it's interesting that we just did the escape rooms one recently and thinking about how this hooks up to other kinds of play, right? It is lauded as being like this thing that'll foster creativity in kids, but yet to keep from going out of business. They were not just like Lincoln Logs. Here's a bunch of things in a bin, but more and more kit-oriented and it's sort of replacing models, which models are actually pretty terrible <laughs> with that glue. <laughs> so, like, that's a fine change, but that was the thing that caught my attention most in sort of the evolution of this thing from being completely open-ended to, I don't know, to kids just, like, build the Harry Potter set and recreate their favorite Harry Potter moments <laughs> over and over again. Let me ask, did you have these growing up, Mark and Erica? I don't remember ever having a kit. I just remember having a tub full of Lego. We called them Legos, and we would just make things that we could think of with our minds, which usually wasn't super creative. I think I just mostly probably made houses and bridges. That's super creative. And how did you play with it, Mark? I don't recall us having these. I think they might have been the kind of thing that my mom thought would make too much of a mess, <laughs> you know, these things to step on. We had like the little people when they were little wooden people. I had a big thing of those. But yeah, like actual Play-Doh and Legos, I think were kind of uh, discouraged. But I remember being puzzled. I still enjoyed playing with them freeform in other settings at people's houses and whatever. And from the beginning, found it curious when like, you know, a guy from my grade school would get a car and you would just make the car and then it would just sit there as the car. I'm like, wouldn't you want to break the car and make it into something else? Like it just seemed to defeat the whole purpose. So I have bought kits for my nephews. They are all Lego fans. And that makes me really, really happy because to me, I don't like getting gifts for my nephews that they can just play with and then like throw away. I want something that they can learn something from hopefully and grow from and something that they can be creative with. And so the first time I got a kit for my eldest nephew, we sat down and we did point by point with the instructions. And my parents kept saying, nope, he's going to lose interest. He loses interest in everything after about 10 minutes. He sat down there and we went through the whole thing. 
and he really wanted to finish it. And it was of his own accord. And then later on, he decided he was going to rebuild it, but just do it a little bit differently, just the way he wanted to. And I think that was a like a beautiful way to watch somebody try it both ways. Yeah, I think that is pretty common for kids to want to build the way it's supposed to be built and then go do their own thing with that. I've seen that a lot. Adults more will buy a kit because they want to have the kit and put it on display and never take it apart again. I will say that when kids just have the opportunity to play with free brick, so I'm a part of a couple different groups. We'll go with more terminology here, lugs or Lego user groups. And we'll have events where this loose brick. I'm just going to have giggles throughout this whole thing because I'm just, I'm delighted. This is delightful. Please continue. <laughs> you totally derailed me. We will lay out thousands of bricks on several long tables at our shows. And so kids will come and they'll just build. And sometimes these kids will just build for hours. And sometimes it's only regular standard the squares and rectangles and nothing special, but they can still, especially when they have access to so much of it, they don't need kits or sets and they'll make pyramids and words and other things. And I've got to tell you, working these tables is totally harrowing because it's so unsanitary. Oh. And I, I, I guess we're living in a new age when it comes to this, but I was at this table because you have to take this stuff apart. Otherwise it just gets all put together and there's no loose brick to play with and kids wander off. And so Adult volunteers take it apart. And there was this one kid, and I kind of noticed he had a lot of bricks in his mouth. I didn't want to stand too close to that kid. Oh, anyway, no. <laughs> I started taking them apart. And you know, these bricks have a tube structure underneath, right? And so I was taking the bricks apart, and then I opened one, and it was like I had cracked an egg. It just released itself on Ugh. me. So normally I can go the full two hours of my shift before going to wash my hands, but that just did it. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> I gotta go. I'll be back. <laughs> so yeah, kids are disgusting. What can I tell you? Does that happen at the Lego store as well, do you think? Or are there people watching and being like, nope, no bricks in the mouth? Because I mean, it is a liability, I assume. You know, some kid could swallow it. Oh, I'm sure it happens. I mean, I go to the store sometimes to, they have the bins in back to fish out pieces. And I'm always sure I'm going to pull out a diaper. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like that ball pit at Chuck E. Cheese. Is it gross in some way to have, speaking of ickiness, a hobby that there's a single corporate sponsor behind? Almost no other hobbies. I'm sure people will come up with dozens of counterexamples. But <laughs> just thinking off the top, you know, if you're into cards or you're into video games or whatever, it's not like there's one purveyor of this thing. Even though these bricks are in the public domain, the knockoffs are substantially poor. I remember buying a ship for my son of non-Lego things that was much cheaper and like it just didn't stay together very well. I don't know. It doesn't bother me. I'll tell you that Lego is very involved in the big shows that are held throughout the world. They're very good partners and they will donate things for charity and they'll attend and they, they support this whole community. I mean, this is part of what stirs interest in their product. So often the rules for these conventions, if you're going to display is to not use parts made by competitors. Like, for example, Lego doesn't make modern weapons. They'll make olden time weapons, and they'll make futuristic weapons, but they won't make a handgun. Well, some people want to do, like, World War II scenes, and so there are aftermarket places that will make accurate World War II weapons, and you can use those, because Lego doesn't make them. Or if you want to use special lights. So it's not that you 
can only use Lego products, but they really frown on you using products from a company that's really trying to take Lego's business away. So if that's Megablocks or Creo or all those other ones, and those aren't even as bad as there are actually some that just steal their actual intellectual property and sell knockoffs of the actual Star Wars Millennium Vulcan or whatever. And I think those are even more frowned upon. Before we get too far into the adult world of Lego, can you tell us when did this start? Since the beginning of Lego, has there also been a group of adults that had an affinity for these? Or was this something that happened more recently? You'll be shocked to learn that the internet age is really what got adults organized doing this. I think it was really on the Usenet news groups and other groups forming up in the 90s and the 2000s of adults getting to share their creations and their hobbies. And I've seen a presentation on this, and I don't remember all the details. I'm sure I'm getting more wrong than right. But that's really how the whole adult scene came to be. But yeah, of course, it was a kid's toy. It was when I was a kid. I didn't have them growing up. It wasn't something. What? I really got into them fairly recently in the last five years. I had a few friends who had them, but it was not in the family budget. And I remember playing with them at some other friend's house, but it wasn't part of my childhood. Did you play with a dreidel? That was what Brian had as a child. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A dreidel and some coins. I was a gambler. I was a dreidel sharp. I stole other kids' money. Well, it turns out you can cheat at dreidel, but just with kids who are bad at arithmetic (laughs) or bad at Hebrew. I don't know, either one. I played with marbles, so like we didn't have fancy toys either. It was marbles, cards, dominoes, Lego, and a couple Barbie dolls. You had to get actual Barbie dolls from Mattel in order to play with Barbies, because if you played with a knockoff, you were shunned. I had one knockoff, and I wasn't really happy about her. But I always anthropomorphized my toys, so I'm sure I was nicer to her than I was to the actual Barbies because I felt like she knew she wasn't quite up to stuff. (laughs) That is really tragic. Yeah. (laughs) So, Brian, are you a Lego purist that you frown upon all the extra anthropomorphizing that has gone on more and more as the brand has developed? Well, you'll see from the builds that I have, I do make yellow people. I also use the standard smiley face expression on all of them. Oh. Rather than the ones that have expressions, they have a million different faces. And I just like the ones that make them all look like cultists or Stepford wives. They all have the same two dots and a smiley face. No noses. No noses. I just listened. There are several Lego podcasts, so I I will refer to folks to one. I I didn't listen to the whole episode, but All Sorted was the name of the podcast. They did a whole episode on just how many figures of the many thousand minifigures that have created over the years have any sort of nose drawn on. (laughs) It's less than a 100, and most of those are like aliens or something. One of the strangest things is that one of the few characters I know has a nose is Voldemort. Oh my gosh, did I just say that word? Oh my God. Because he has, right, his, his actual nose is missing and you can see those nostrils in his face. And so it's an irony that one of the few noseless wow. creatures actually has a something drawn where his nose should be, I think. <laughs> now, have you been to the Lego stores, to Legoland? I've not been to Legoland. Isn't it Legoland, the stores? Legoland is the amusement park. I took my kids there a long time ago. Which, yeah, the best parts of it were just like where there were big Lego creations. Yeah, Legoland. And the area to play with Lego. But there were also rides and 
overpriced, bad concessions and all the normal amusement park stuff in San Diego. I went to one in Kansas City and that was fun. In Kansas City, there's a, is it like a Lego Exploration Center? Or I'm not getting those words right. It's not a full-blown Legoland, but it's a... Yeah, they just have features and various ways you can play with the Lego. We built cars and they had ramps that we could use them on. And then they had a free play center. I can't remember what else they had, but it was quite interactive. All right. I have been to 19 Lego stores. Not to be obsessive compulsive, but I keep a list. And every time I go to just like even the ones in malls, and there aren't that many. I think there's a hundred in the North America now and maybe a couple hundred but are they not all the same? What is the point of that? Like, even when I went to Legoland, I was like, okay, this is the place we're going to buy some cool Lego sets that you can't get anywhere else. And it was the same Lego sets that were everywhere else for pretty much the same price. You know, it is corporatized, you know, that corporate uniformity that there really is no, like, this is the special central hub. But maybe you've had different experiences. Well, there are five flagship stores in North America that do have some different things. So the two Disney's, the two in New York, Water Tower in Chicago, and then Mall of America. That must add to six. Those occasionally have some specials, things that no other stores have. But also there's just that wall in back of the different pieces that you never know what they're going to have. So when I'm traveling for business, I usually carry a couple of the empty refill cups in my luggage. And oh, the, the permanent face you're making, Erica, is really is a shame. This is radio and not television. What? I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I, incredulity, I, I, amused. I don't know what. It doesn't matter. Let's keep moving on. So when I'm traveling, I'll go and I'll, for business, if I have a car, I'll spend a few hours there. I'll, maybe I'll take pictures and send it back to my friends to see if it's anything that I, I generally know what might be new that's not at my home store or if something that's been, there's been rumors that this special piece is, has been on the wall. Well, we don't have it in St. Louis, but I'm in Denver and they have it. So I'll buy a cup and see if anyone else wants a cup of it. So not all the same. But, you know, I think that's something that just comes from being really part of a hobby, right? And often from the outside, the people who go to Europe and they go to little towns and they look to, like to look at the old towns and you say, well, they all look exactly the same. Like, well, but if you know them, like one has this kind of shutter and one has this kind of flower box and one has this kind of design on the tile. And so once you're kind of into something, you start seeing the differences in a way that externally, especially if you're not into it or don't care that much, why would you take up the mental space knowing what those differences are? I admire people who have that kind of fandom toward anything. I just don't. I don't feel like I've been a huge fan of anything maybe ever in my life. And if I have, it was when I was a child. I like things a lot, but I'm never somebody who becomes an expert. And I think that must be kind of lovely to be driven by a community in that way where you're like, yeah, I want to keep a log of how many of the Lego stores I've been to. And to know these stats offhand, it gives you something to look forward to wherever you go. I think Erica is channeling George Costanza. Why? With the guy who was a Civil War buff. I'd love to be a Civil War buff. What do you have to do to be a buff? <laughs> Not sleep 10 hours a day. <laughs> Sorry, no can do. <laughs> what I will say is I do enjoy Lego in many of its aspects. So not just to create, but I've enjoyed the films very much. And the new reality TV show that was out. Mark, did you get a chance to watch those movies? Yeah, let's talk about the media a little bit. The reality show, I watched the first one with my family 
And then I watched the last two so far, six and seven, myself. And actually, they were a little disappointed. I'll attribute this criticism to my wife. But then I, you know, I noticed it then as unlike, I think a lot of other reality shows like that, they didn't show a lot of the techniques. Like it was more just like, have they thought of an idea yet? What's the drama of the competition? And you get to look at the cool stuff they make. But other than like maybe one thing, you know, per, they would have the expert come out and say, oh, you know, snot, studs not on top. <laughs> there would be like a technique that they would talk about. But like, I kind of wanted a lot more of that. Whereas every single baking show or fashion thing, like you seem to actually learn about the actual artistic processes involved. That's really interesting, Mark, because I know that's been a beef in the Lego community that they haven't been showing a lot of this technique, but I didn't know if that was something for a non-Lego person, if, if that was even a thing. I mean, clearly this is not like one end of the spectrum for me on the reality show or things like British Baking Show, which is really focused on what you're doing and not focused on the drama. And this seems much more like Project Runway, not to the point where we see them in the evening, but if they can gin up drama and if they can spend time watching someone storm off the stage being upset, that's definitely what they're going to be doing instead of showing us what they're building and how. But they're playing it for comedy. So I feel like it works a little bit better than a lot of the tired reality TV tropes. I mean, Will Arnett is just so funny all the time. I just, I could just watch him all day, but I agree, Mark. I was like, how are they setting up those motorized elements? Why don't we get to see that? And does Lego provide those? Do they make their own? Like, how does that work? Did they ever explain that on this series? Not that I saw, but I didn't see all of them. I mean, Brian, you can tell. I, that's one thing I did want to ask you about is the interaction between the robotic elements and the building elements. That just as a parallel, my son was very into Thomas, Thomas the Tank Engine. So we had all this Thomas the Tank Engine stuff, which like Lego is very overpriced. And <laughs> you, like, you feel like, oh God, I got to... <laughs> But there's something, you know, addicting and sort of collectible about it. But then eventually, like right at the very end of the Thomas period, we got one train that had batteries that would move. And when little cousins have come over since then, that is the only thing they want to play with. They have no <laughs> use for the rest of this stuff. And the imaginative play, like once you add a motor, like you've just something terrible has happened. Any parallel, Brian? They actually, there are Lego trains and I'm not all that excited about them. And there are people... Some people, that's all they do. And they build replica trains and custom trains and all these different things. In terms of gearing up things like rides or what you, I don't know if that was the episode, if you saw the first one, yeah, mm -hmm. Erica with the carnival rides, there is a, a Lego motor that has, that is an anti-stud bottom that you can attach to studs. So put it right on top of a brick and there's an axle that comes out and it only turns one speed. There's a lot of gearing, that, and all the gears are made out of Lego also, so there's a lot of getting it to change the direction of the motion and the speed of the motion and the complexity of the motion. And they were, like, using their phones for that, right? To, like, program it, it looked like. Right, so there are some Bluetooth controllers for some, because they have a couple different series of educational tools. One was called Mindstorms, and then there was something called the EV3, and I'm sure I'm getting some of this wrong, because I never had any of these different ways of programming Lego to move in different ways. So I haven't been all that involved in that. I haven't gone down that road. There's a whole endeavor called the Great Ball Contraption, or the GBC. I'll throw some more letters at you, where people make these modules to just pass little Lego soccer balls 
or basketballs. So about uh, less than an inch across these balls to pass them around a, a whole contraption. And it's all very Rube Goldberg like where you'll have all these different ways of moving them. And of course, it's all these motors and gears and plastic is nothing holds together very well. And people who do this spend all their time fixing these contraptions that just break. You know, these gears get loose and they worry off and things jam and balls stop moving. And don't I know it. <laughs> At least the show showed some of the different aspects of building that, you know, you think about the scale and the aesthetics, but then they had one about, can you build a bridge? You know, can you actually apply engineering characteristics? And some of the teams clearly had this engineering knowledge and had used Legos, you know, as physics experiments before, and some of them just had not. If you're actually learning about construction technique, that seemed pretty damn cool. Yeah, that was really interesting. And I think as I was watching that one, I fell into some of the same traps that some of the builders did and how they were approaching it. Because they're approaching it the way you would build sometimes a regular bridge and thinking about how beams work. And there's a, a pneumatic press channel on YouTube where they just smash stuff. Have you seen that? There's just a guy and he has a press no. and he puts nope. awesome things under it. Nope. And it turns out a Lego brick itself. <laughs> Is this what you're doing while you're quarantined? <laughs> Well, <laughs> you know, I started working from home in 2007, so I'm way ahead of a lot of people here <laughs> in what I've been doing. And a regular Lego brick resists compression so much more than the beams resist being bent. So the one team that went that route actually ended up doing much better, just making it out of locking solid bricks together rather than using the long Technic beams, which... Yeah, I can't bend one with my hands, but if you put a thousand pounds on it, it's going to break. Interesting. Wait, so the bricks themselves, if you're using a brick, are they going to offer bend or no? Uh, not really. If you push two bricks together, they can just withstand so much force before the bricks will buckle. They're just, they're extremely solid and in compression. Huh. So it was really kind of neat to see what they did with that bridge episode. I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, that's different than how we think of, this is about as far as my construction knowledge goes, is uh, stagecraft in college. We learned the reason that you might want to use nails instead of screws, because we were always like, well, obviously you don't want to use a screw. It seems like it would be, it would hold more or, and it's easier to get screws in and out and reuse them. And they're like, no, actually you want to use nails in a lot of cases, because they do provide a little bend. And if you try to bend a screw, it'll just break on you. This is true. Also, that second time you use a screw, it has about half the holding strength. Really? Yeah. Stagecraft. And yet you can use the same Legos. They should just use Lego for stagecraft. I think you're right. Has there been a Lego musical yet? <laughs> oh my God, we need to. There's an emoji musical. Let's do a Lego musical. That sounds very expensive. That seems to be the only, well, I guess it depends how literally you take it. <laughs> does every piece of set work? Does every prop, does, it, does every element, do the actors have to be robot Lego or have yes. Lego costumes? You have to do. have a Lego ball gown. <laughs> okay, now I'm super fascinated. Now I want to see this. Let's put a call out to anybody who's interested <laughs> in creating the Lego musical and see how far we can get this to go. I do a web search for Lego clothing, and I'm, it's really disappointing. It's just like clothing with like the Lego logo and stuff on it. It's not clothing made of Legos. Those are not the first ones I find. 
Oh, Brian yep, is showing exist. us his Lego shirt. It's a, a Lego cowboy riding on a Lego horse. And that was from a Christmas party Yankee swap where I managed to be the third person to steal that item. So I got to keep it. <laughs> so, yeah, let's talk further. It's expanded into a TV show, but at least that TV show shows people using Legos. But what about this whole Lego aesthetic, like in the Lego movies and stuff, that it's established a style of humor that I guess supposedly came out of the style of minifigures, that there are even one of the articles you sent us, Brian, was about an author talking about like writing Lego books. In other words, books sort of describing what you would see in a Lego movie or TV show, which at least those show some representation of Legos, if not actual Legos. <laughs> So it's getting further and further more abstracted from the actual Lego process. You know, I can't speak to the books. I, I will say you've both seen the Lego movie, correct? Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. All of the Lego movies. Okay, so you've seen Lego Batman as well. Yes. And that was one I found to be... I really enjoyed it. I know not everybody did and thought maybe it was just a little too much of a good thing. wasn't all that good. But Batman has always been a tough character to do well in part because he is kind of a weirdo and you can't take him too seriously. I'm not sure what Tim Burton did really work for me, but I think what Christopher Nolan did was a little too serious. And I feel like the Lego Batman movie got it just right, which is <laughs> this guy is a tortured weirdo, but really other than just needing a little therapy, there's nothing wrong with him. Like, what are you doing, pal? Go live your best life, and this can't possibly be it. And his only authentic relationship was with the Joker, which we all knew. And I'm so glad we finally, someone finally told us this. <laughs> I mean, there's something to be said, I guess it's the same for cartoons, about just not requiring any suspension of disbelief at all. <laughs> How do you feel about that, just in terms of... I think we've talked about before, like when we we're talking about the Spider-Man movie that, oh, no, the quality of the effects doesn't matter because you're always going to have to kind of suspend disbelief anyway. And you could even have like the early Greek plays did. It could just be very minimal sets. And as long as you've got characters acting and saying those lines, then your imagination does the rest. I mean, here we don't even have characters acting and saying those lines. In fact, every voice has to be a celebrity. So you're just like, oh, which comedian is that? Like, there's just... Everything is sort of built to distract you from what would ordinarily be the virtues of a simulacrum of you know something you could lose yourself in as a story. So are you saying you don't get wrapped up in the story at some point in these things? Or are you just so locked in on the artifice that you never engage the art? <laughs> that makes it sound like I'm wrong if I didn't get into it. <laughs> but I'm no judge, but I'll stare at you while you answer. No, that, that was a shitty way of asking the question. But answer the question anyway. I really enjoyed the first part of Lego Batman, and I thought there were a lot of good ideas in it. But once I'd kind of gotten it, like, I don't need this super syrupy follow-through. From near the very beginning, when the Joker is sad because Batman will not acknowledge their special relationship, like, that was the best part of the movie, and everything after that kind of went downhill. Like, it's nice if you can throw in Sauron and Voldemort and these guys. You know, the fact that Sauron is a dancing tower with an eye on top like there's definitely some good ideas but like i just didn't need the rest of that movie it was a good 20 minute experience for me i like this what's your take on these erica it's been a while since i've seen the lego batman movie i just remember really liking it i remember being extremely impressed by the lego movie mm -hmm. 
Agreed. Really enjoying Lego Batman and being disappointed with the second Lego movie. You know, I just saw that one too, and I liked it better than I thought. Like really? I thought it still had, you know, I guess it was the same guys that wrote it and that wrote the first one. And it was an interesting challenge because to slightly spoil the first one, <laughs> that it reveals at the end that, oh, it's been a dad and his kid have been playing with the Legos all along and you're supposed to. But the fact that that was present from the very beginning of the second one, like, you know, that these characters are somehow representing the boy and the girl, the siblings and their interactions so I just, I thought it was interesting the way they carried that through and the use of music just in like in the first one. Yeah, I actually liked it quite a bit better than I thought I would. I think for me, it was, I wasn't as compelled by this. I know I should be more compelled, I guess, since I'm a woman, I don't know, by it being a more feminine story, but it actually wasn't as interesting to me with that character. What is her name? Wildstyle. Wildstyle. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't as drawn to Wildstyle. I agree with you on that. I identified with the little sister just wanting to be a part of the little boy's life and being thrown out all the time. That was really cute. Yeah, as a younger brother. I mean, I think it was just being the younger sibling and wanting to be a part of things, for sure. Honestly, I can't remember enough of Lego Batman 2 to spar with you both. I just remember enjoying it. I didn't make it through the Ninjago movie, I admit. I did not watch Ninjago. (laughs) But I'm glad you cleared that up. I didn't know if Ninjago, Ninjago... I think it's Ninja Go. Go Ninja Go. I don't know. (laughs) One of the complaints with all these licensed sets is how expensive they are. Because every time you fork over a buck for a Star Wars set, 20 cents is going over to Lucas. So that was part of the impetus for Ninjago and their elves sets and their friends sets and all their own lines that they didn't have to. They owned the license and they developed them. And a lot of them didn't take off. And there are some that came and went and some that are roundly mocked now. But it also, like, giving 20% to George Lucas, sure, that, I mean, that's bad, but I'm sure that they have a lot more sales by the time that they incorporated Star Wars. Yeah, I think that whole thing saved their company. Reading about the history of it made me a little more sympathetic, not just that they're greedy corporate bastards expanding to cover the world, but that they were basically bankrupt as of 2004, and that it was really these partnerships that like have, have kept it going. So if you were a purist and like, no, it should just be well-made blocks that you can build with that have been consistent over, you know, since 1958, that would not have been enough to, for the company even to survive. I think that's right. And their patent expired, right, on their basic bricks. Now their minifigure patent, I think, is still in effect. So other people can't make minifigures shaped the exact same way. But yeah, you have to do something more special than just pumping out the brick you've always been making because someone else is going to make that same exact brick more cheaply. There is one article here that is really having an issue with adults playing with Lego. It's from Guff Magazine. Now, this is claiming that it's actually not helping foster creativity. Is that correct? That's how I read it, yes. I thought it was just not fostering creativity if you're following the directions. This is exactly what I was talking about before, that maybe the freeform playing, like that does foster you imagine something, you make it, but if it's just like putting together Ikea, that perhaps does not foster creativity. In fact, makes you the kind of person that will follow directions step by step, and that's it. So that critique seems to completely miss the way somebody like Brian, or it seems like anybody in that community actually approaches Legos. I guess one of my counter arguments to this article is that following the instructions and actually being pretty careful about it opens your eyes to some new ways to put things together. I have a lot of sets 
and I don't keep most of them together. If I have them, I'll often put them together and then take them apart and throw them in bins so I have them to make my own things. But I always learn about ways of putting things together and things I maybe hadn't thought of. And I haven't learned more than I know, I'm sure. So I think that's fine. Something else I'll say, and this maybe gets way back to what you said about putting models together with glue in the beginning, Mark, is that Lego are really friendly to people who aren't that coordinated and maybe really just can't put a model together with glue or can't make something out of wood because everything to start is at nice right angles and they snap together tight and they hold together and you're not limited by your own clumsiness or your own being a total spaz. You can branch out, you follow the instructions and you maybe learn new things and you get a little more comfortable with not doing things at right angles or doing things at unusual angles and having studs going off to the side and having studs going in all directions and hinges and all the crazy pieces. So Brian, when is your next event to build? Do you, is it done as a community build? You know that song, Everything is Awesome? Our current song is Everything is Cancelled. So... (laughs) I don't know. Oh, no. Can't you do it from home and like and do a Zoom in with your Lego friends? I had a meeting last night. It was so sad. But I usually go to six events a year. The big one I'll be going to, if it's still on, is in Chicago on Father's Day weekend called Brick World. And I'll have a new big thing to display. Well, I think it's a perfect opportunity for you to take the sets that you currently have and create something brand new while you're stuck in your home. Then you can all have a competition. Oh, he's showing something. Oh, he's already doing it. He's already doing it. Before our eyes. This is just a set that I bought. It's the International Space Station. I didn't make this. I mean, I made it, but it's not. That's beautiful. Not anything special. It's just a thing. Yeah, I'm keeping busy. We're all keeping busy. It's all good. So when are, uh, is 3D printing going to just blow the Lego hegemony out of the water when you can print your own to really exact specifications and all those funny pieces that you're saying, oh, I have to go to the special store to get the the special flower pot. Like, no, no. And I I know there already is an online community of people printing pieces. And I just found an article of Lego issuing cease and desist letters to some of these people. seems like you can't keep that animal in the box. Probably not. The two things I've seen a lot of that I don't think the Lego company cares all that much about, one is custom track for railroad tracks that connect and go in directions that their own track doesn't. And the other thing I've seen, and I don't totally see the attraction of it, is people make giant versions of regular things. So like these minifigures that are 3D printed, but they're three feet high. Or they'll people just like making macro scale versions of regular bricks with their 3D printers. It certainly doesn't look as good. 3D printed bricks is the real thing, and the colors aren't right, and it looks wonkier than the off-brands and probably is more expensive in the long run. I don't know how much substrate costs for a 3D printer plus the 3D printer. So who knows? Yes, yes. Those are certainly not like fast or anything now. At least the people I know who have 3D printers now, it's, look, I made this special dragon. Like this is the one thing that they made in the (laughs) month or something. It's not. And I love it. It it loves me. You're not going to say, instead of buying a bin of regular Legos, I'm going to just churn them out. Like the cost for the materials to put in the 3D printer would be more than that. I want to know, this is really important, how many coins have you put in the swear jar for using the word Legos throughout this podcast, Mark? <laughs> I have not even noticed. And, and I, I have not noticed Brian frowning at me. So 
I have no such commitments like Brian. I have no organizational tie. In fact, I will use my plural as a sign of rebellion. I have no real beef with it myself. And there are people who are total pedants. And if you go in the Lego store and say, oh, I love Legos, there is no employee who is going to correct you. Well, yeah, they're going to sell you some more. That's right. And there is a pinned post on Facebook in one of my groups explaining why we are not going to have this discussion. And as a linguist, I honestly do not care. And I understand why the Lego company has to protect what's theirs, but shrug. You heard it here, folks. Our linguist has said Lego or Legos can go. (laughs) Live your life. As a sort of final thing to consider, I just want to raise as a parent what I most appreciated from the Lego industry was the Lego Star Wars video game that you could have a game that my son could play when he was really little. It's breaking robots. It was the first thing that basically had the same mechanic of any other fighting game, but you're just walking around breaking things. And that like, that's awesome. That's so nonviolent, a nonviolent form of violence. Those games were so charming. (laughs) Even Gandhi played Lego Star Wars. Those early ones didn't even have any dialogue. It was all pantomime. Those were so much fun to play, I recall. So do you still have Lego in your house, Mark? And are you going to give it to me? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it just became the thing. And even for like the little cousins now that now that my kids are, my daughter was more into Playmobil as time went on. But like my son was definitely, he even still got a Lego, I think, for like one small Lego for Christmas. And he really enjoyed putting it together. You know, what a little ship or whatever it was. And we put them, either they stay set up or they go back. This is the way I put them back. I don't know that my son would have done this, but in a bag specific to that thing, you know, with the instructions in it so that he could potentially, or I could, or somebody could build that exact thing later on. It did not just go into a giant bin, but yeah, definitely there are many still in the house. We did not give them away. Do you completely disassemble them? Most of them, I think. When you put them away, I mean, you take them all the way apart. I don't know. I'd have to look in the bins. You're right. It probably was like, just chuck it in the bin and whatever parts fall off. Erica, when you told Drew about this podcast topic, did he have any comments? You know, surprisingly, no. He grew up playing with all sorts of toys. I think definitely with Lego as well. And I'm surprised he's not more of a fanatic, but uh, he did watch some of the episodes with me and that was pretty fun. Although I have to say we were just most concerned with, mesmerized with (laughs) the faces that the woman from the Ozarks was making and Jean also mortified because like I make so many of those faces and I was like, I guess this is where I get it from. It's just, we're a hokey people. I guess just as a general point of a creation of a type of humor or I feel like the Lego movies being good does not stand for Lego media in general. I did try to watch like there's so many if you just look on Amazon Prime little Lego TV shows and like I just couldn't watch any of them for more than 30 seconds. I tried several things and well, they're not made for you. Well, yes, that is maybe my being repelled by children's you know, the same as for our cartoons episode we did so long ago. It is pretty cool, though, that one company can make something that like really doesn't speak to a certain audience, but another form of what they do really does speak to the older audience. I would like, now that we have had this discussion, for you both to try something with this. Get your hands when you can leave your homes again. Get your hand on some Lego, Erica. Mark, you have some in your house. And see if there's any kinesthetic appeal as an adult to do that. It's not cheap, though. 
This is a, unfortunately an expensive hobby. I remembered enjoying doing it with my son, but yes, as I was prepping for this, like I could look around the house and find some Lego and touch them, but that would be way too active for me. <laughs> Sitting and reading more of this book about Legos and looking at more of these articles and watching more of the media, like screens. <laughs> You're the most dedicated <laughs> podcaster I know, Mark. I don't think that's a compliment. That reminds me, Mark, about a Lego video game that was out recently called Dimensions. Have you heard of this? No, tell us. Okay, so I'll end on this because it was this game where you had to actually build these little Lego creations and then you would play the game and then it was like an Xbox or, or PS4 or whatever, but there was this pad and occasionally you'd have to move one of these little characters, which had a microchip on its bottom or a transceiver or something from one pad to the next. So I'd be playing this game and I'd be in the middle of it, just sitting on my couch and it would say, oh, move Lego Gandalf from the green pad to the blue pad. I can't believe how many calories I'm burning. Playing. Like, I, I just want to sit on my couch when I'm playing video games. And I would tell this to some of my friends and like, oh yeah, I would just have my kids move them. So it wasn't just me, like this idea of having to, it was too many things. Like, I don't mind building the stuff or playing the games, but to actually have to even lean forward in my couch to move something from one part of the pad to the other was way too much. So I put it away. And that was the end of it. I can't totally picture what you're talking about, but we'll, we'll link people to a video about it or something so they can experience your pain. Meanwhile, I look forward to Lego Death Stranding. So <laughs> that would, that could be beautiful. <laughs> Oh, they do such a beautiful little baby. Their little BB. <laughs> they recently just came out with a little Lego baby, though. It'd be perfect. Oh, now I really want to see this. I want to see Lego fetuses on uh, anti-abortion protesters' signs. That's what I want to see. Someone made a concentration camp out of Lego, and it was a serious art piece, but I think Lego didn't know it at the time and provided pieces and then later seriously regretted the whole thing. Yep. And on that note. <laughs> if you want to be cheered up, this is your chance to subscribe <laughs> to our Patreon feed to hear our much more cheerful after talk where we talk about the world crisis we've been skirting around this entire podcast. <laughs> okay, thanks everybody. Mark, this was a great idea. This is a great idea. I think it was your idea. So it really wasn't. <laughs> This the hill I'm going to die on. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. Thanks. Bye. Get more Pretty Much Pop at prettymuchpop.com. Get bonus content for every episode at patreon.com slash prettymuchpop. Pretty Much Pop is part of the Partially Examined Life podcast network, and it's also presented by openculture.com. Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners, also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today, 570-726-6200.